This week, Music Biz Weekly podcast, what if we told you we just spoke to somebody who can find money that's owed to you, royalties you've earned, but they don't know how to get it to you because the data is wrong. We speak to Royalty, a company that cleans up the data, fixes the metadata, and finds royalty payments that are owed to you and gets the check cut and sent to you. Give it a listen. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this Build new- a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay. How you doing, Jay? I'm caffeinated, ready to go. And, good day. you know, look at these hats, dude. Look at these. Oh, my gosh. That was a game dude. of a lifetime, man. Minnesota Vikings. I'm, uh, I'll, all right. Listen, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Now they're a good team this year. <laughs> listen we've had our hearts broken so many times nobody would fight you for being I, a little I, cautious I, I i will say i mean you and i chatted about this i felt like that was a completely different vikings team in the fourth quarter who played the bills yeah they showed something don't know what it was what but there see. was something there was something different there that was more than just a a regular average football team. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. I mean, we might be in for great disappointments. Nothing new to us, but it it, it felt really good last (laughs) week against the Buffalo Bills. It sure did. Um, All right. So before we get into this week's interview, um, we just want to do a quick shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. Thank you for everything you do to support us. And, of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a stunning website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, Bands in Town, and more, so you can easily add content from your other online profiles and, of course, amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. And they've just added custom landing pages. You can now easily Mm. create your own music landing page using preset page templates and built-in funnel tools They'll help get you your pages up and running and added to your music marketing campaigns within minutes. Plans at Banzoogle start at just $8.29 a month, which includes hosting and your own free custom domain name. Music Biz Weekly Podcast listeners, head over to Banzoogle.com, sign up, try it for free for 30 days, and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, and you will get up to 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And DiscMakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still such an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. 
Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, and T-shirts online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams, and that can be a lot of marketing and promotion to get 3,000 streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, again, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay, what's the discussion and who's the guest this week? Today, we are going to talk about, well, we're going to talk to Nicholas Judd, who's the CEO of Left Brain, and they have a new subsidiary called Royalty, R-Y-L-T-Y. It launched last summer, and it finds and corrects music royalty metadata errors, and that results in a lot of money being found. Yeah, this was this is a great discussion on, on how to find money you earned, you are owed, but might just be sitting somewhere because nobody knows how to get it to you. Right. And that's what royalty does is it finds these problems. It corrects these problems. It corrects the metadata. So the money is freed up and flowing to you. So this is a fascinating discussion on royalties. Give it a listen and we'll see you at Podcast. the end. Subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. So today we are joined by Nicholas Judd, uh, CEO of a company called Left Brain. And I'm, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you today, Nicholas. There's so much about what you're involved with that's so important today. Let's kick it off by just telling us a little bit about um, tell us about Left Brain. You guys formed in what, 2019? And mm-hmm. you've got proprietary technology to help artists and songwriters recover royalties. Talk a little bit about your company. Yeah. So 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 Left Brain's a, a parent company where we solve big problems for artists. And at our core, we're a business management firm, but we have a whole technology side of our business. And one of the one of the sectors of the business that we're most excited about right now is actually a subsidiary called Royalty. And what what we've built at Royalty was a technology that allows us to ingest metadata from our clients, which are catalog holders, whether they be the artist that that created the catalog or someone who has acquired that catalog. And we're able to pull in the all the different information from the PRO, for example, ASCAP, BMI, et cetera, from SoundExchange, from their publisher, from their label, every single person that's supposed to be paying them or every single company that's supposed to be paying them money, we're able to pull in the raw metadata that they have and our technology finds where all the problems are to uh, related to royalties that are causing both black box and misallocated royalties. So royalties where, yeah, they're not getting stuck somewhere, but they're not going to the right people either. And right. we've been able to, to do this with a tremendous amount of success so far. And where, you know, 2019 was when we first you know, when, when left brain first came about, but royalty is what we're focused on for the last year. And we've just been growing like crazy and excited to bring this to your audience. Right. You spell that R Y L T Y, right? Correct. That's right. You had mentioned something in that uh, about black box. Tell our listeners, what is, what does black box mean? Sure. So 
if you if if you think about royalties for a minute and you know a lot of people will think like spotify oh yeah they pay out royalties but there's actually a very long line of middlemen sometimes multiple sometimes just a singular middleman where that money passes uh through and what causes black box royalties is when there's a blockage in those pipelines where no amount of royalties that was paid out by Spotify or by a venue or or whoever is the, the original person being charged that needs to pay that through, there's a blockage that's causing zero dollars to make its way to the catalog holder. So to the artist, to the publisher in some in some cases, to the label and others. And so those accumulate at that blockage point and that's what's known as black box. And either those continue to accumulate indefinitely or they get redistributed based off of market share, which means they don't hold on to it anymore. But after a certain number of years, they say, okay, well, you know, we're going to take all this royalty that we don't know where it really goes. And we're just going to give a piece of it based to all of the artists that we service based on how big they are and how many current royalties they're generating. Wow. Interesting. I mean, date metadata. Jay and I have talked about this so many times. Metadata in the music industry is such a problem, mm-hmm. such a problem. There are so many fingers touching data at various points um that you know it's like there's no there's just no central single storehouse for data that you can just go check and go is my data here correct yes because everybody uses it and and you know and, and jay and i sadly joke i mean so many times just the artists themselves start the data trail with bad data themselves Mm-hmm. When they get their their music, and they don't put proper metadata into the audio files, they don't put the proper metadata when they upload it to a distributor, and then of course everything that comes after that is going to be a mess. Yeah, exactly. And it's even worse if they do it correctly, but the person receiving it drops the ball or fat fingers a number in or or doesn't do something properly either. And and something that's also really interesting that a lot of people don't know about is, you know, all the people, you know, everyone in the industry knows that catalog sales have sort of reached an all-time high, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least in the last few years, it's reached an all-time high where these these musical works are trading hands more frequently than ever. And every time that there's a transfer of rights to somebody else is a new opportunity for the metadata to uh to be soured to be incorrect that's continuing to you know generate these these improper improper royalty payments and actually when we look across all of the clients that we've that we've worked with so all of the catalogs that we've serviced and admittedly you know it's not thousands and thousands of catalogs we're a new company but we have consistently found that 45% of musical works contain some sort of metadata error that's causing oh an incorrect doesn't, royalty you know payment. that doesn't surprise me it really doesn't because they're again you know as you said maybe the data is is correct from the artist but once they give it to somebody else yeah, a fat finger copied to the wrong column um there's just so many entry points where data can get messy it can just mm-hmm. be dirtied basically and 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 the and I think part of the problem is when that happens 
pretty much nobody downstream knows that's happened. And they don't know to go. They wouldn't even know where to go look to find find the problem. One of the things that was really interesting to us. So we want to have a really great relationship with the whole industry, you know, the industry as a whole, because we're we're solving problems for for everyone. Right. The you know, a lot of people will will be like, oh, the publishers, they don't think they benefit from the problems. A lot of, you know, they don't really benefit from the problems. In fact, they could be a victim of that problem themselves. But the, the real issue is, is that once it's entered that downstream, I mean, if you think about the number of songs that are you know, recorded and uploaded to Spotify every single day. And then understanding that in, you know, the way that the music industry works now, there's probably a lot of collaborators on that. So if you have four people coming together to write a song, that's four registration. That's four people whose metadata could be, could be incorrect. And it's just, it, it really adds up and it doesn't matter. And a lot of people may think, Oh, it's, you know, if I have a really good team, then that, that will prevent it. It doesn't. We're finding this issue yeah. from superstar acts all the way down to developing acts. And there's just not enough manpower to find these issues manually. Right. You know, Sometimes think- it's not necessarily nefarious. Right. There are a couple of situations I've seen where one is sometimes people die. Sometimes people move. Sometimes people don't claim things. That's innocent. Right. And then there's also this disambiguation question where let's say you have and I do have an artist that there's, it's a common name and there are other artists with that same artist name. And what we found is that the obvious thing is when you look at the DSPs and you go, oh, my artist named this has songs from this other artist named that in her profile, Mm -hmm. right? That's something that you can kind of get cleaned up. But where it starts to get a little crazy is when I get a statement for one of my artists and it's, paying me for a song that isn't one of theirs. It's one of the other persons. So it gets, it can get really complicated. But one of the other things that from working at major labels, I've noticed is that each one of the majors and major indies, they have an XML feed that goes, let's say to Spotify. Well, those XML feeds, when they're delivering that metadata, the one from Warner Music is not the same as the one from uh, Universal and so on. They have different numbers of fields that some have sidemen, some don't. Some have the publishing splits, some don't. I think Mike said something earlier that has just been a dream of mine and, and a lot of other people. And that is, couldn't we just as an industry pull together and have a central data source like on the blockchain or something. So it couldn't be altered and that it was provable mm-hmm. and, and work together to have that one central place. I would think that that could help solve a lot of these problems. But then again, you know, something like that costs money, who's going to pay for, it? you know, all of that stuff. But I think that's what we need. And and that's essentially what we're doing at royalty, right? We, you have all of these, incorrect lists right so you know your publisher has one set of metadata for you and your you know the label has another in the pro and the amazing thing is none of those none of them are the same just as you said right and part of the key part of our technology and and our technology does a lot of things to be able to find these problems but one of those is that it looks at all of those different uh sources inaccurate data sources knowing that 
even though they're inaccurate, they're not 100% inaccurate. You know, they, there's a certain percentage that they're accurate. And if you compare and contrast them to each other, you can actually suss out uh, what is accurate versus what, what are the outliers. And that allows us to create that central source of truth that, that we can then reverse that process to go find out where all the problems are because it doesn't match with the source of truth that we've been able to create based off of an enormous amount of data that we ingest. You know, one of one wow. of the things you mentioned was, you know, you know, some people think if you have a good team, this this problem will go away and and a good team can still find the problems. It's still the issue of where do you go to correct the problem? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we can all relate to. All right. We had a client who had a problem or we discovered the problem, alerted the client. And now it's not necessarily whack-a-mole, but it's, all right, where do we start? Do we start yeah. with this label? Do we start with the previous labels? If you've had multiple labels over your career, you know, it's now, it's just a game of picking up the phone, so to speak, and calling people until somebody goes, oh yeah, we have that data and yes, we can correct it. It might take you a dozen <laughs> contacts to finally and, find that person and you wouldn't have known that person existed except three people earlier said try calling this person i mean that's that's the game we're playing where you know to that point of a central warehouse gee you could just call one you could reach out to one point of contact and go this is the problem you know this artist has their releases showing up on my profile. Can you please help correct that? The payments are going to the wrong person. Can you please correct that? You've mm -hmm. got the, 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 the songwriter's name is misspelled. So payments aren't going to anywhere. Can you please correct that? A single point would help that problem be solved so much. Yeah, and it, it would get you a lot of the way there. And one interesting thing that you had just brought up was, you know, for a single song, right? Like you could target a single song and be able to do this. And in fact, that's that's the origin of royalty. What what happened was is the pandemic hit. Our clients are you know, our clients lost all of their touring revenue on the business management side. So they started to call us up and say, hey, you know, that song that I had that, you know, made the top 40. I don't think I'm getting paid everything on it that I should. Can you please look into it? And, you know, what most I won't say most what a lot of business managers will do when their clients come to them with something like that is they'll pull up the PRO statement. They'll pull up the publisher statement, the label. They'll pull up all the statements that an artist see, uh, receives and they'll scan through it to see if the name of that song shows up. And if it does, then great. We're good. You know, wash their hands and move on. But if, if the problem was that simple then you wouldn't have billions of dollars of royalties being lost every single year because it would be a relatively easy solution. And so what you end up doing is, and what we were doing manually is you pick one song and it takes you hours to both find if there's an error and what exactly that error is, and then be able to figure out how to fix it. And so I actually brought in external help at the very beginning because I really wanted to solve this problem. And and he would go on to be a co-founder with me at Royalty. His name's Andrew Ula. He's, uh, he came to us from, from BMG. He was a senior royalty coordinator there and was starting to, to get an MBA. And so he was looking for something to, to sort of big problems to solve. And we gave that to him. And he spent an insane amount of time and a lot of my money trying to find every 
to turn over every stone and, and look in every dark corner to so that I could go back to my clients and say that not you know not only are you receiving every penny that you're owed in that song, but you're receiving every penny that you're owed in that catalog. And we realized very quickly that this was like it, like we we could do it, but it was going to cost a fortune, and it just was not cost effective. And then that's when I took off my business management hat and I put on my you know my technology entrepreneurship hat, and I said this is something that technology could solve. And so what we started to do was to build out a technology that took the steps of what he was doing and fast tracked them. So the goal was rather than taking you know hours and hours upon hours to analyze an entire catalog and then to fix it, we wanted to get that analysis down for an entire, like to an hour. And like automated to as opposed to having a, a physical person doing that. But that begs the question. So is this, I, I see the value of this because you can uncover revenue, which is amazing, but is it a, is it for artists? Is it for labels? Is it for distribution? Is it for IP companies like hypnosis, KKR, BMG? I mean, is it so expensive that an indie artist couldn't do it or are there different tiers for different levels? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. And there's also where we are today and where we're going as an organization as well. So today we offer a white glove service. You know, the technology superpower, you know, supercharges our ability to do this, but we the technology hasn't advanced enough that it could be a self-service type model. Gotcha. So, right, so right now we're only offering this to catalog holders with a catalog across all royalty streams is generating a quarter million dollars or more a year. Okay. And so, you know, professional artists, uh, you know, ones that songs make the radio all qualify for something like this. Admittedly, the uh, the the catalog acquisition funds has been a huge uh, source for us. I mean, we work with two of the larger ones um, where we've just got, you know, dozens upon dozens of catalogs just that's waiting their business, yeah. waiting to service. That's their business. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Because there's there's two benefits of of enrolling with us. Once we once we fix this problem, then two things happen. One, you, the client actually gets a check on the next royalty statement date for backdated royalties, and that could be anywhere from one to three plus years going back. It depends on the individual royalty or or royalty company that's paying them out and what their policies are. And then even more importantly, you have to go forward bump in royalties that contribute to catalog value. So we've we've uncovered well in excess of a million dollars of prior period royalties that have then gone on to create over $10 million of catalog value. And we're just getting started. You know, talk to me in a year from now and there'll probably be additional zero in each one of those numbers. I mean, we're finding thousands upon thousands of errors that we're able that we're able to correct right now. And what we're trying to do, because we're an early stage company, we're in the middle of a seed round right now, is we want to build that self-service model because we want to help the music industry as a whole, not just people who have reached a certain level in their career. And when we reach that self-service model, then you know, there'll be a you know, it'll be a point where any musician could enroll in our program and find exactly where their errors are and, and help walk them through it. And it's really aimed at right now it's aimed at three sort of key groups. So one is business managers on behalf of artists because uh, yeah. they have all the, they typically have all the information uh, on behalf of their artists and publishers is a big point because publishing yeah. is the biggest mess. I mean, labels, it's a mess as well, but publishers really have it tough when it comes to metadata and uh, and then the funds, um, which yeah. makes up probably the biggest category. 
Are you, you looking at, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say a real quick question. So, you know, whether it's the business model right now with the large, large catalogs or eventually when it's small, smaller independent artists and, and performers, would your mo- business model be that you then take a percentage of what you recover? So that's exactly what our business model is today. So we collect 30% of the prior period royalties, so which is the smallest amount that the client receives of value, and then nothing of those go forward. And so when I'm when I'm talking to a potential client or customer or catalog holder, I explain to them that this is a zero risk, thousand percent ROI guaranteed investment into your catalog. Because if we find nothing, and by the way, we always yeah. find something. But they're but, not paying out of pocket. But, yeah, in theory, yeah, they're not paying out of pocket until they actually get paid for it. And then it's only that one-time payment that we're getting. And, you know, the catalog value alone, uh, the increase in catalog value alone of, of what we'd be able to provide is, you know, tremendous. I mean, a, an example would be an early client of ours was was Doja Cat. And this was before uh, she was the big international superstar she was today i think her second album had just barely come out but none of the singles had sort of risen up to the top 10 of the charts or anything like that and we were able to find uh over two hundred thousand dollars of prior period royalties on her behalf and i can't even guess at what the added catalog value would be today because her catalog has you know increased 100x uh since since that time when we ran it through but so you know for someone like her we generated, you know, millions and millions of dollars of catalog value for her from fixing these problems just before she hit it big. And also she got the benefit from $200,000. And that's when we were in beta. And so uh, we didn't charge anything for that at that point. But if we had waited, you know, we could have made, you know, man, I have no idea yeah. what we could have made, but quick, it was a quick, great test. Quick and, question. But we did it. So, so when you fix a problem for, for a client, Mm-hmm. Um, is that generally fix good and there shouldn't be any problems moving forward? Or is there still a position where, where royalty needs to be there going, well, you know what, we should be monitoring this. We need to provide sort of a, uh, a, a eyes and ears just to make sure, because, you know, who's to say that the next release, something else doesn't just get messed up somewhere along the that chain again and you're back to square one of finding it so how does how does that work is it we fix it we're done thank you goodbye or we fixed it thank you we're done and now we're going to just sort of be a monitoring service so right now there is no monitoring service uh capabilities and that's certainly on our product roadmap but what it is is you know we fix it and it's not goodbye Right. Because just because you fix something doesn't mean it would stay fixed. Right. This isn't on the blockchain where once it's immutable and it's not right. If one of your co-writers on a song sells their rights, there's the there's the possibility that's that's going to mess up your own metadata. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. So what we recommend to our to our customers and especially if they're not legacy acts, right? If they're continuing to put out music every year or every other year, well, then you should definitely hire us on a regular basis to go through your new catalogs, but also for the catalogs that we've already looked at and fixed, you know, every three to four years, we should really be going back through and, and doing that. And and we want to do it, we want to do it at a time where if if it was, you know, if something caused it to be incorrect right after we had fixed it, 
we don't want those black box royalties to get paid out based off a of market share. So we try to time when we go back to a client and rerun the analysis at one where, you know, the royalties are getting paid out. They're not losing anything to the system. So Got is it. this primarily um, publishing? I mean, are you dealing with um, labels on, you know, on just like, other revenue streams that they have on the master side or is it primarily publishing so it's it's all royalty streams we can we can provide this service for the reason that i focus on on publishing is as an early stage company we want to create those wow moments and with publishers universally we create that wow like there's there's so many yeah. times and this is the best feeling because you know i'm mostly on biz dev sales like i've got a really amazing team that picks up once we pick up that client but i like to be on the calls especially when we show them the results because there's so many times where you know the jaws literally drop open when they see the results or there's you know fist pumps in the air that are happening when they when they see what we're able to find because they're so excited about it and we really get that when it's uh, when it's on the publishing side or when it's on the publishing plus the label. So master plus composition. Um, but we yeah. can certainly provide uh, a level of service for labels as well. It's just, if you think about what labels revenue is, it's syncs. We don't do a lot with syncs, right? That's not really a metadata issue. There's, uh, you know, record sales or, you know, streaming, which is an area that we could provide some help with. And there is sound exchange. Those are really there's sound exchange it. and there's neighboring rights. And yeah, there's neighboring rights. And so we look at that as well. And we're not just domestic. We can do, and we're not, you know, it's not like, oh, that's we what I was going to ask you if you're these yeah, royalty yeah. sources, anybody that's paying out royalties that's based off of metadata, we can do because all those companies have, you know, have the ability to export what that metadata is for us to analyze it. Now it may require us to, you know, to reformat in the way that we receive it. So our technology can understand it, but uh, that's, that's not, an, that's not a difficult task. Yeah. Are you, that's amazing. Are, you are you basically in a, in a, in a simple term, are you running audits on behalf of your clients against their labels, the streaming services, that that's kind of what you're doing is you're going out there and auditing. The, the, we're auditing the metadata, which is very different than auditing the royalty data. So one, ah. most agreements are set that you can only audit your label or your publisher X number of times over a right. period of years, right? We don't trigger right. any of those audit rights. So one of our clients could take the results of our metadata analysis, hand it over to a traditional royalty auditor, and they could use that to help pinpoint where things are and to, to go back and actually get even, even greater royalties. A, royal, a traditional royalty audit also only focuses on one royalty stream, typically your publisher or your label. Uh, and they also usually charge upfront. And if you're unrecouped, and they don't find enough money to bring you into recoup status, you're yeah. paying out of pocket to get you closer to recoupment, which if it's a label may never happen anyway on the publisher side, will only right. speed up that process you know, a little bit. And so you really only see traditional audits happening with the largest acts and, uh, and for legacy acts is really where you see that. Whereas we, we provide value to you know, developing acts to legacy acts to to everybody. And it's much more comprehensive, 
right? We, we're looking across the board all at once, as opposed to just focusing one at a time and, and doing that. And I think for, for the listeners, it's important to understand like what metadata is and how it affects everything. And I give a yeah. very, you know, I like to use a very simplified version of a royalty system. And there's really three components. You have the data, you have the machine, and you have the metadata. And so the data is being fed into the machines. So that's what's coming from Spotify and from YouTube and from all these other places. And the metadata is what's telling the machine how to interpret that data. And then the machine spits out a statement, they cut a check. And you know, so that's, that, that's the simplified version. All three of those things are broken to a certain extent. Uh, what traditional royalty audits do is it cuts out the metadata and machine out of the equation entirely. It just takes the raw data, recalculates it, and then compares it to what the historical results have been. And so that's nice because you're able to see what you should have received and you can negotiate a settlement and get that check. But there's no, the incentives to fix the problem yeah. aren't necessarily there. Somebody would have to manually yeah. go in and fix it. And so those problems just continue on moving forward. And so by us focusing on the metadata, which is what we believe is the most prob problematic area of those three, we're able to solve the vast majority of the problems that an audit would solve, um, but faster and with, gotcha. with less risk and, and more broad. But I will say that you know an yeah. audit is great if you think that your label uh, for unrecouped expenses is not treating that properly. We don't touch anything with unrecouped expenses. And same thing with sinks. Those two areas an audit does a great job for. And, and I think that there's a few auditors, uh, uh, often part of business management firms that do a really great job there, but they're just not yeah. doing it in the same way that we are and is not as broad as, as what we're doing. And and and, and you, you hit on an important point. I mean, in, the mo in most cases, the audits are being done by very large artists. Mm -hmm. Um audits aren't necessarily going to be cheap to execute. You know, it's, it's your cost to hire an auditor and you send them somewhere and they might spend two weeks somewhere going through the books. And, you know, so you've got to be able to afford that auditor. You're a small band on your first album. You, you know, know, let me tell you something about, about even larger acts from a, I'll take off my royalty hat for a second and put on my business management hat. So many artists that are routinely on the radio to get to that level, especially if they've only been around for five, six, seven years, they have to invest a tremendous amount into their career. Their shows aren't producing nearly as much as much profit as most people think, because in order to produce the level of show to make it to that next level, right? It's, you know, okay, so you're doing, you know, a thousand cap rooms. Great. Now I want to move up to arenas. There's a tremendous amount of investment that happens there. So even artists that people think are universally successful, and they are, and they're generating a lot of revenue, they don't necessarily have a lot of spare cash flow to put into something like that. It would require them to save in order to do it because it can run, you know, $50,000 is not an uncommon amount right. for an audit to be in. And that's a lot of money for somebody that's making, you know, $4 million a year, well, but whose profit margins like 10%. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if you spent $50,000 on an audit that only found $5,000, uh, yeah. you know, well, then you're you sit, in real trouble. Yeah. Then, then you're sitting here going, okay, well, there was no ROI. So next time let's not bother doing the audit. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, off the top of my head, I'm sure that that's something that a lot of companies are counting on like, okay, 
the most of our client, most of our artists, whether you're a label or whoever, aren't going to audit us. So we're just rolling the dice that one a year comes in and we'll settle with them. The rest of them aren't even going to bother with it. You know, it's it's a challenge. It is a big challenge for artists who who, you know, there always used to be that running joke, too, of like, gee, we don't want to audit our record label and piss them off. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I'm really interested about the future of, of where we're going and, and where the audits are going is, you know, when when we're alive with a self-service model and it's the auditors that are interested in in licensing that technology on behalf of their clients. You know, I could see a world where they use royal they use royalty in our technology to solve 80 percent of the problems, which allows them to for their audits to be more focused so yeah. that they are looking yep. primarily at, you know, unrecouped expenses and these other areas so they can continue to provide value in conjunction with the value they're brought, they're providing using our technology, but in a way that is much more cost-effective. And it'll be interesting to see how that changes uh, the the nature of auditing and, and what artists actually, you know, care deeper about what their royalties are because also keep in mind that creatives they're so focused on what they're doing next and royalties is the is the result of something that the prior them did yeah exactly and and it's so complicated and so hard to fix and so costly that it sort of benefits having that 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 mindset but we'd like to change that we'd like it to be something that every artist is you know hyper aware of what's going on and and they're, they're no longer calling their business manager when times get tough and saying i don't think i'm getting paid everything i'm owed we we'd love to yeah. see a world where artists have a high level of confidence in the revenue they're earning off of their blood sweat and tears that they've put into creating amazing works of art and moving the culture of the entire world forward yeah i think the timing is right because there's a lot more attention being paid now to royalties, to publishing, to songwriters, you know, with a copyright royalty board and, you know, with all of these IP companies buying up rights, it's, it's a lot more in people's minds. I think now, now more than ever, um, Nicholas, this stuff is super, super timely and fascinating. Where can people learn more about you left brain royalty? If they want to explore it, where should they go? Sure. So the our website for royalty is rylty.io. Uh, that's the best place to go to learn more information, to be able to get in contact with us. Um, additionally, if you're an artist in need of business management or uh, a manager or attorney who's listening and, and has an artist that needs a business manager, you can reach out to us at use, use leftbrain.com. Awesome. awesome. Nicholas, this was a great conversation, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for now, joining us. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a 150. 150- this, this sort of stuff, Jay, is, is just fascinating because as we've talked many times, metadata is such a problem in this industry. Yeah. I mean, it's it just... Really is. You know, in the simplest terms, and you you even brought it up about how you can have an artist who all of a sudden's got somebody else with the same name showing up in your spot. I'm dealing with that with Wasp right now. It's just like there's another artist named Wasp, spelt the same way with periods. Granted, I'm sure that was completely done on purpose and intentional. And when they submitted it through their distributor, 
it pops into wasps dsp profiles and now it's like okay who do i need to go back to at which label to say because we know you can get that cleaned up and removed but the fact that it even happens the fact of how do i find the person who's got control and can make it happen it's it's just it's just it it it's time consuming time consuming it's messy it's messy it it, yeah. it will be interesting. But at least with this, yeah. Go it, ahead. There's where, you know what I mean? You, you you froze up there on me. Yeah, you're freezing up on me too. What the heck? What the heck? What the heck? You're going so well. Oh, yeah, I know. We had we had problems before we started. Now we got problems after we're done. I don't know. And I, I'm just eager to see if they can get this to a self-service model you know that would be yeah there, really there might not be a lot of money at an individual level to be found it might be a thousand dollars not initially a thousand dollars to some artists is is quite a fine but you know if there's a million of these self-service artists who find a thousand dollars Right. And, and it cleans total. up that problem early. So yep. when they're making a lot more money down the road, it's already cleaned up and, and set. Um, you hit it on the head. I mean, the metadata is such a big problem in the uh, music industry today. And it's it's very labor intensive and time intensive to clean it up. But this could be a potential way to clean it up, you know, a little bit more automated way. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be it'll be exciting to see how royalty um progresses here i do like the fact that you know their business model is they just take a percentage of what they find so it's one time yeah one one time and it's not on future revenues because of the cleanup it's just whatever was found in the past i mean that's hey that's nice i mean as he mentioned you know you got a client that you find a million dollars in the past that generates 10 million in the future they're only commissioning the million yeah that's right and it's money well spent yep um, so let's continue this discussion, everybody, over at the artist community on Bands in Town. Head over to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Um, what's your experience with data, metadata, payments, royalties? Not and listen, I don't want the arguments of oh, Spotify doesn't pay. I mean, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about finding royalties that are basically lost they're sitting there they they haven't been paid to you you've earned them anybody got experience with that and how have you how have you done that has been a manual kind of accounting forensic audit type of thing did you work with a service to help you with this um you know this is let us know yeah let's let's talk about it a little bit more um, as always, just a big shout out and thank you to Bruce and everybody at Hypebot for all you do to support us. Of course, bands in town for the artist community portal. And of our course, our sponsors, bandzoogle.com and discmakers.com. Thank you to everybody who supports us week in and we week out. It. And all of our listeners, it means a lot to us. Do us a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening to us. It means it means so much. Um, that's it. We will see everybody next week. Industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by... 
LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.